millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot. Kim Kleisters announced her shock return to tennis. Karolina Pliskova wins in Zhengzhou. And the Labour Cup is all fired up and ready to go in Geneva. ourselves a little two-week breather post-US Open, but me and Kim are back and ready to digest all the tennis as we transition into the Asian swing of the season, with the women already taking in the sights of China and Japan, with the men taking a pit stop across Europe. But Kim, with all that going on, I think biggest event taking place, I think it's starting on Friday, and it's the Labour Cup in Geneva. Are you excited? Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, I am. I mean, we start to see all the players, you know, posting all the promo shots, you know, in Geneva and everyone getting excited, you know. I mean, Team Europe have won the last two. And I think, you know, I've just been looking at who's actually in the, in both sides, Team Europe, Team World. I know we've sort of been updating everyone on the announcements as they've come in. But the first thing that really strikes me is I look at I look at Team World and I see Jack Sock's name on the list. What was that about, Joel? Jack Sock is, is not in form. He's he's he, what well, he's out of the top hundred in the singles, isn't he? I mean, generally speaking, if you look at Team World, I think a lot of the players there have had their seasons have been either blighted by injury or they haven't played the whole season. I mean John Isn has had, you know, injury troubles this season. Milos Vranic has had injury troubles this season, as you said, Jack Sock as well. Um, and it, it kind of creates a complexion. It's quite a, I mean, it's quite an imbalanced lineup, Team World versus Team Europe, when you've got Nadal and Federer with, you know, Team and, and Zverev, Sissipas. It's a bit, do you, I don't know, it feels a bit, um, I feel like it could be a foregone conclusion before even the first match. I know. I think it might be three in a row for Team Europe. I mean, even Roberto Bautista Agut, who is Europe's alternative, I would say would probably beat, you know, any of Team World, perhaps. It just (laughs) seems quite unbalanced. I mean, yeah. And John Isner, I think, didn't he say he would be ending his season with the Labour Cup and he won't be playing for the rest of the year? So, um, I mean, well, question marks perhaps over Federer and Nadal because, you know, obviously Federer had that injury in the US Open. Um, You know, he said his back was troubling him. And I think he's come out and said it's actually taken him a bit longer than he thought to kind of recover um, but having said that, you know, he's obviously going to want to play his, his home country and, you know, I think he's fine. It's just he might be a bit rusty, perhaps. And I mean, I don't know how how tired Rafa's still going to be after, you know, winning the US Open. I'm not sure how fresh he's going to be, especially, you know, this like closing stages of the season. But having said that, you know, it's it's an exhibition at the end of the day. I mean, yes, it is an ATP like accredited thing now, but it's it's still a bit of fun, really. 
is it an exhibition? Because the I, I think this year, I think what's kind of what one of the things that has changed from last year is the fact that it is now officially part of the ATP tour, and these matches do count towards your head to head in the singles. So hmm. I know there is this kind of I think there is genuinely this kind of grey area in which kind of this like limbo state that the Labour Cup exists where yeah some people are totally like this is just like a glorified exhibition but actually they're kind of trying to make it and give it a little bit more credibility and and they're doing that so you know by putting it on the ATB tour uh get making sure it impacts kind of head-to-head records um I don't know I don't know where I sit on it you you kind of think it's 100% an, an exhibition well, there's a bit of a discrepancy because am I correct in thinking that they don't get ranking points for it, yet the matches count in the head-to-head? So mm. it seems a bit of a half-assed like, attempt at making it a legitimate ATP event. It's like you either go all the way or you don't. Um, I don't know. I, I think if I was to look at like Rafa against John Isner's head-to-head and I saw, oh, you know, whatever, 10-9, you know, and that decisive one was the Labour Cup, I'd be like, mm, how serious do we take that? I, I don't know. I still think mm. of it as more of an exhibition, but I guess maybe they're well, trying to make it like the Ryder Cup, you know, in the golf. Well, I think, it, yeah, I think that's a good point because I think, you know, you've got you've got the Davis Cup, which is aiming to be the World Cup of tennis, and you've got the Labour Cup trying to be the Ryder Cup of tennis. And, you know, can it truly claim to be the Ryder Cup of tennis if, um, you know, if it's not totally competitive? And I guess, you know, we'll see that more, um, you know, when the players are on court and we kind of see, you know, is it more kind of jovial? You know, I'm thinking about, you know, the bromance we've had this year between Kyrgios and Sissipas. You know, if they if they step on a court with each other, are they just going to kind of have a, you know, is it kind of going to be all kind of all guns blazing or is it going to be a bit more of a, a bit more of a loving? <laughs> well, that remains to be seen. I mean, there's just so many cups. Uh, you know, we've got the ATP Cup, which we'll get onto in a bit. I'm just a bit cupped out, I think, like, especially from this stage of the season <laughs> to like end of Jan, it's going to be a lot going on. If you are already cupped out now, we've got, you know, from now until January, <laughs> I think we've kind of got like four cups, got Fed Cup, Davis Cup, uh, ATP Cup, as you said, and yeah, Labour Cup. This is like the, this we're coming into the season now of, of team tennis. And, you know, I, th- I think it's going to be, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I certainly think this one has more of a unique stance. I think that gets a crowd engaged in kind of ways that maybe the other kind of t- team tennis competitions don't. You know, I think genuinely, you know, the lineups here are kind of special and they do provide moments that you don't get anywhere else. You know, instantly I'm thinking about Federer and Nadal playing doubles together. And, you know, I think that's mm, such a great absolutely. way of kind of absolutely... I think it's just a great way of kind of inspiring kind of tennis audiences beyond kind of, you know, your, your typical, you know, fans who kind of follow the, you know, follow the tour and follow the season. But um, uh, yeah, I, I just hope we kind of get more moments of that kind of bringing kind of new audiences. And I think Labour Cup actually does that quite well. Yeah. I like how it goes to a different venue every year. I think that, you know, if- makes it more accessible to people in different locations and you know they could use it as a test bed for certain things as well so it's kind of a good way of like testing any kind of innovations that might come in um come into play so personally I'm yeah I'm a fan of it the one I probably have more of an issue is you know the ATP cup because that seems to just be replicating the Davis cup 
Um, and mm. I mean, perhaps eventually they might bring the women into the Labour Cup fold or they could do like Billie Jean King Cup. You know, why don't they have a female equivalent if there was the investment for that? Because I think that would be pretty awesome. Um, you could do the same thing, but for the female, you know, for the WTA tour, um, somewhere else at a, you know maybe similar time of the season or whenever it fitted in best with the WTA tour because um, it seems like all this investment's going into the men's game and like where where is the equivalent in the WTA but that's you know tied into a much wider <laughs> kind of female sport kind of um, narrative I suppose. It's a good point because you know when, as I said we're kind of looking at the teams here Team Europe, Team World you feel kind of Team Europe have potentially already won it before kind of the, you know looking at it on paper and it does kind of suggest you know is team europe versus team world is that the right is that the right format you know what else could they do is it kind of a mixed gender maybe sort of going into hotman cup sort of territory which i think kind of could make sense given you know we don't have the hotman cup anymore well actually if we incorporated the female element into labor cup it actually kind of it might actually bring in that crowd that kind of, you know, were got excited around the Hopman Cup. And even though we kind of lost the Hopman Cup, we we still retain its kind of sentiment just in embodied in, in a different yeah, in a different competition. Yeah, it's certainly interesting to see how they could maybe spice it up each year to make it a bit different. Like you could you have sort of over thirties versus under thirties or uh you know, next gen against the old guard. I don't know. I mean, I think I think Europe World is quite a good uh contrast but well I mean it just depends really doesn't it but we'll see what happens over the weekend I'm going to predict a Europe victory um, but we might get some surprises we'll see how Nick Kyrgios behaves um, in front of (laughs) in front of the crowd he must have been told to be on his best behavior so I'm still expecting at least a couple racket smashes but I you know I feel like you know he's a guy (laughs) Yeah, there's going to be a lot of, obviously, there's going to be a much, much fanfare around him. And yeah, I think he's going to have been told to, uh, you know, this is Federer's competition. So make sure that you keep it kind classy. Of don't, don't, yeah, keep it classy. Don't give it a bad boy image. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, we have got a few other events going on this this week, haven't we, Joe? I mean, it's a bit quiet um, on the ATP side of things. There's a couple of 250s going on. Uh, we've got Mets and also St. Petersburg. Um, I suppose the most interesting thing is that Daniel Medvedev, a man of the US Open hardcore summer, <laughs> US Open swing, he's he's back on a tennis court. Um, I think tomorrow he's due to play Donskoy. Um, I thought Medvedev mm. would have a bit of a break, but seemingly not. No, well, I guess obviously I think playing in front of his, his home crowd in his home country has probably swayed him yeah. a little bit. But um, yeah, you do. I think there are question marks, you know, with him and Nadal having had such an epic match, US Open final, how fit and how fresh they are. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if Medvedev didn't get, you know, to the final. I think, you know, He's just had so much tennis recently. I think he's like, I think he was the first player to kind of crack 50 wins on on the tour. So he has played a lot of tennis and yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of keep that level up on, you know, before he kind of hits, before he kind of hits Asia. But um, yeah, I think the interesting thing there is that you could potentially, Medvedev is top seed, got Kachanov as well as the bottom, uh, sorry, as the second seed at the bottom of the draw. So if they were to meet, it'd be quite a nice, uh, quite a nice final between kind of two up and comers, you know, 
potentially battling for Russian kind of number one in the future uh, and giving us a, a kind of a hint of of, of what's to come. Um, so yeah, we've yeah. got that in St. Petersburg, got that in St. Petersburg, and then we've got Metz um, as well in France, which is is basically, I feel like this is just like for any any French player can turn up and basically win because I think like the <laughs> eight of the last eight of the last ten champions have been French, and I think on Tuesday, kind of four four Frenchmen won, and it just feels like it's inevitable which which French person is going to win. Although David Goffin is the top seed and he's Belgian, so he might throw a spanner in the works. Uh, you know, yeah, but right. <laughs> he's been on fairly good form of late. We'll see. We'll see. Um, as for the WTA, um, again, there's, well, they're, they're out in Asia now. China and Japan is where it's at. This week, we've got, um, the Osaka tournament, which is a premiere, which I guess perhaps the thing that springs to mind is that Naomi Osaka is playing in Osaka. So it has quite a nice ring to it. Um, she's actually split from her, her coach, Jermaine Jenkins who she teamed up with earlier in the year. Um, she's announced the, a couple of days ago that she split with him. So I'm not sure um, I'm not sure if, you know, how long it's going to be before she announces a new addition to the team, but obviously wasn't really working with him. So so that's that's an update on, on Naomi Osaka and her coaching situation. And we've also got, I don't know how to say this, Joel, but Guangzhou this week and Seoul. There's some international tournaments in the WTA. So that's all happening. <laughs> Kim, I went on YouTube before we went on air to just clarify what the correct pronunciation of Zheng Zhao and Guangzhou is. And I still got like 50 different variations. Oh, so no. Apologies. <laughs> apologies if we get it wrong but yeah um we need to do a mandarin evening class um but yeah last <laughs> week talking of jeng zhao or however you say it um carolina pliskova <laughs> won that so that was a premier event um and carolina pliskova she was, she top was top seed, seed. Wasn't she? she won very comfortably um she beat petra martic in the final six three six two it's actually her fourth title of the year um you know pliskova won brisbane roman eastbourne which are you know all decent titles i mean Eastbourne and Roma premieres. Brisbane's a you know a good like I don't think it's a premiere, but I think that's that's a good, a good haul of titles really for um for Pliskova. And actually, she is now number two, well she's world number two Pliskova. So um she's doing you know she's having a solid season um despite perhaps you know not doing what she could be doing in Grand Slam. So yeah, Pliskova won the Zheng Zhao Open last week. And talking of premier events, Joel, we've had a, a recent announcement that. The Birmingham premiere event, which is, you know, a quite historic grass court premiere event held in the UK before Wimbledon, that's sadly being downgraded to an international. Um, and it seems that they're taking a, a premiere event over to Berlin in the run up to the to Wimbledon. That's right. In the same. So in that same week. So Birmingham International is now actually going to compete essentially with um, with the Birmingham. Sorry, with the Berlin Premier event to kind of attract the top players. But yeah, kind of quite sad, quite disappointing for, for British fans. I think kind of the backstory here, um, kind of reading in the press is essentially that Birmingham wasn't attracting enough of the top players and it was actually making a loss on in terms of a competition and, and bringing in revenue from spectators, et cetera. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been downgraded, which means there'll be less prize money on show, which, which you've got to say will probably mean that the, the field that they will have will be of a 
lower a lower standard a lower ranking especially when you throw in the fact that they're going to be putting a new a new premiere in berlin um you'd think that would attract you would think that would probably attract more you know more ranking points and that would attract probably the higher you know the higher highest ranked um highest ranked players in kind of the grass court build up but yeah it's just a bit of it's just a bit of a shame though for for british fans i think because now you know you've obviously got eastbourne which is still a premiere in the the week after but you know it's there's it, it just feels that kind of with this and you know with kind of davis cup going to this kind of format in madrid the the chances of going to see kind of really kind of top level tennis is is it feels if it feels like it's been minimized over the last kind of you know 12 12 months or so yeah, I mean, we have been quite lucky in the UK with all the grass court events that we have. I mean, Birmingham is still going to be happening, of course. It's just going to, yeah, mm. probably attract slightly, um, you know, not quite the top, top players. But I don't know. I think it was quite good to having, um, you know, maybe some of the players will still go there because it's convenient you know, just to stay in the UK and the build up to, to Wimbledon. Yeah, Because Birmingham's true. a different week, isn't it, to Eastbourne? So they might think, well, this is my schedule. I've been doing it the last couple of years. I like the grass here. It prepares me well for Wimbledon. Not so sure about Berlin. You know, do I take a risk? But I guess, you know, at the end of the day, ranking points hmm. are points. So, I mean, perhaps we should, we should do a passing shot trip to Berlin, Joe. I mean, it's a great city. Well, so, sample so, who the knows? <laughs> of, of Europe. Yeah. Also, didn't you announce that, um, that ATP are bringing a tournament to Mallorca? I hear. That's correct, Kim. Very exciting oh. for you. Mallorca will be a Mallorca yes. resident next year. So, uh, yeah, I think they're going to be doing a 250 as part of the grass court season in Mallorca. Um, yeah, I feel like there might, there's a, there's potentially a bit of a push to diversifying grass court tournaments out to other parts of Europe. You know, got one in Berlin now, one in Mallorca for 2020. So it's, you know, we're not, we're not in that kind of, we're getting further away of that stereotype of kind of oh grass court season equals Wimbledon and kind of like mm-hmm. Great Britain, but um, yeah, there are grass court events in kind of Europe. You know, and Antalya um, is is another one, yeah, um, and it feels like yeah. yeah, they're kind of it feels like they're kind of making a push to kind of have grass court more on the on the continent. Let's do swiftly on. Let's take a quick ad break, and we'll be coming back to do another mysterious player. Okay, we're back, and we've covered uh, we've covered all the tennis going on since since the US Open, and uh, we are now going to roll on to our mysterious player section, Kim. Now, last time out, you kind of got me stumped with who was it again? They were born on Pam Independence Shriver. Day, weren't they? Pam Shriver. Pam oh Shriver. See, you remember her you birthday? Gave... Impossible. Absolutely no, impossible. It's not. So uh, we had a lot ugh. of listeners say that they got it straight away um, after like <laughs> one or two clues. So it's obviously yeah, not impossible. Yeah. <laughs> what have you got for me <laughs> this time round? I'm intrigued. Yes, I have gone. I've gone deep into deep into Google, deep into my Wikipedia uh, resource um, for this week's mysterious player. So listeners, feel free to play along. Let's go. Okay, first clue, Kim. I was born September 4th, 1972. Oh, okay. So <laughs> are they uh, possibly 47 years old? <laughs> Quite recently turned 47, if my if my maths is correct. <laughs> okay. Yep. Next one. Uh, next clue. Okay. I have a career high singles ranking of 58. 
Oh, so they are doubles player, I assume. Or a real journeyman or journeywoman. Okay, next. Uh, okay, I play my tennis left-handed. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, yeah, next. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. So maybe starts to get a bit more interesting. I have won an Olympic gold medal playing tennis for my country. Mm, okay mm. i've got i've got don't worry i've got seven more clues don't have you worry, got Kim. a lot more clues really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know if it's a woman or a man oh i can't even think of any guesses okay next one i participated in the second longest match in wimbledon history lasting six hours and nine minutes in 2006 wow Okay, so that was the longest match before Isna Mahu. Yeah, everyone mm. talks so about that. Isna be a, match. It would be a male player, yeah. wouldn't it? But it's a man. Okay, two thousand and six. Mm. Okay, next. Clue. I want to say Nicholas Masu because I know he won the Olympic doubles oh, gold medal. Him? It's not him, is it? No, it's not. Is it actually? Oh, okay, I was going <laughs> to no. say because I don't think he ever had a long, long match at Wimbledon. He probably <laughs> wasn't amazing on grass. Okay, next clue. I have won Grand Slams with Elena Likotseva, Kantarian Shrebopnik, and Kristina Mladenovic. Oh, I know who it is. <laughs> uh, Max Mernie. Is it? No, no. it's not Max Mernie. Oh, sugar. No. <laughs> no, Actually, it's why not Max oh, So when you say the longest match at Wimbledon, is it a doubles match? It must be. Yes, you didn't specify singles, did you? Um, oh no, it's, it's, um, oh, Leander Pays. It's Leander Pays. It's not Leander Pays. Okay, next clue. You're getting, definitely getting warmer. I was in the (laughs) ATP doubles team of the year in 2002, 2004, and 2008. Hmm. Rohan Bahana's not that old, is he? Oh, it's someone like Leander. Oh, Radek Stepanek. Incorrect. Is it him? No, incorrect. Okay, I've got three three more clues for you. Okay, cool. Apart from Mike and Bob Bryan, I have won the third most men's doubles titles in the open era with 91 with 11 different partners. Oh, I know who it is. Oh, I love this guy, Daniel Nestor. There we go, Daniel Nestor. Do you know what? When he serves, he makes such a funny noise. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That was actually going to be one of my clues. No, I'm joking. It was Um, actually out. (laughs) My my two other, my two final clues were, my three main partners in my career were Julian Knoll, Nestor Zimjanic, and Max Mirny. Ah, yes. And the final clue was, I was a member of the Canadian Davis Cup team from mm. 1992 to 2018, which is absolutely wow. mind-blowing. Very it's impressive amazing. Stuff. Oh, very good, Joel. I hope yes. any of our doubles uh, specialist <laughs> listeners also got that one. And maybe also general general fans but yeah i mean i've learned some new things about daniel nestor as well so <laughs> very good joel um yes but what else has been going on 
in tennis we've we've had a few other announcements haven't we so talking we early about team tennis the atp cup we've had um more details i guess about the inaugural atp cup which is going to be held in early january in brisbane perth and sydney so they've announced who is going to be in what group and where they're going to be playing yeah so this is for for all of our listeners who are not aware the atp cup this this is the one that's re- effectively replaced the hotman cup isn't it um yeah, in yeah. in australia and the kind of the build up to the australian open and i obviously i think the biggest change is it's going from hotman cup which was a mixed event you know men and women atp cup is just going to be straight male event held in brisbane perth and sydney and yes the draw um the draw was this week so we now know the groups and where all the kind of players are playing um i guess kind of the standouts for uh for I guess so you're going to get you've got Federer, Nadal and Djokovic have all signed up and they're all going to be in different cities there's a lot of kind of conspiracy theories on Federer getting the the kindest draw with him being placed in Sydney um, where the quarterfinals semi-final and final will also be played um, whereas Nadal was got Perth which is it apparently is in a different time it's like so three everyone. hours difference yeah, yeah or four yeah. yeah maybe even four to Sydney hours um no three I think and then Bris- Brisbane is like an hour ahead of Sydney or something but I mean it's a bit undemocratic yeah the way they've just I mean I thought they would do it out of a hat but it's been like selected hasn't it yeah it feels a bit I mean, we've we've spoken about recently about kind of draw controversies and how kind of, you know, transparent they are with fans. And this feels a little bit more, you know, judging from the reaction on social media, it felt a little bit more on the kind of behind the scenes sort of side of, of things. Um, but yeah, we, I think kind of what, I think though kind of what impressed me most or, or to be honest, kind of surprised me most was the, the commitment that's already kind of been given in they've in their kind of press release they've said every member of the top 10 in the atp rankings will be present um and that includes 27 of the top 30 as well so does this mean that the brisbane and sydney tournaments that normally run are they, are they not happening or are they ha- still happening but they're going to have a really like reduced field aren't they for the men i mean what's going to go on with them well, I think for Sydney, the Sydney women's tournament is going to be going on at the same time as it kind of reaches the, you know, bub- uh, the bubbling point in the kind of quarters, semis and, and final stage. And so there will be some, it'll be some interesting kind of scheduling there with kind of the men and the women. And, you know, you'd think kind of, you know, inaugural event, this will get, you know, prime time show court status, but, you know, can I feel like it's going to inevitably be questions about can you what about you know what about the women I just could get shut into you know the, the second quarter or, or yeah, whatever I yeah I know it's yeah because it'll be at the same venue it will it not so the Olympic Park mm. I mean it's great that yeah every every you know player in the top 10 is sort of committed um not sure about Andy Murray because he said um he said it's not he's not going to play it is that correct it's not it's not confirmed yet he's not he's got i think he's got more appetite towards playing davis cup than atp cup Mm. and um you know he's used his protective ranking to get gb into the draw now i don't know if that means he has to 100 percent play it um the media this week have already kind of talked about the fact that gb are in switzerland's group in sydney so there is a potential for a an Andy Murray, Roger Federer singles match. Um, but I don't know, you know, at the moment, I think it still remains to be seen whether 
Andy, you know, how much Andy's invol- involvement will be. Um, I think that will obviously be clearer come, you know, the start of the new season and where he is in terms of, in terms of fitness. But um, uh, yeah, if he, I think his feeling is basically, you know, he wants to get ready for the Australian Open, which is a singles competition. How can I do that if I'm in the ATP Cup, which is a team competition? And he feels like the dynamic between, mm. you know, being a singles competitor and being same. a team team competitor is, is a bit too different. Um, and I think that's kind of an interesting, you know, that's an interesting take on it because, you know, they've, unlike kind of Labour Cup, this does have ranking points. There's 750, you know, available. So in that kind of middle, in that in-between bit between 500 and, and Masters, level um so they're obviously trying to make it you know le- legitimate and and using that i guess as a, as a ploy to attract the you know the top players but um yeah i think there's a question there on you know the the, the proximity to the australian open as a singles event you know being a team event you know do people really want to kind of get in, get involved in that yeah it all seems a bit much doesn't it especially as it will come after davis cup um you know it's all quite close together really but it's a difficult one to work out how's best to do the tennis calendar. But um, I mean, another big uh, sort of announcement that was made, Joel, in the last week has been Kim Clijsters, who surprisingly has announced her return to tennis again. I think this is what the third time she's coming back from mm. from a retirement. Um, I mean, she's been out of the game for seven years, I think. Um, she retired most recently in yeah 2012. Um, I mean, genuinely, I was quite shocked by this because I just thought, well, you know, um, but I, I don't know what to expect. She's 36, so she's actually younger than Serena and Venus Williams, but obviously she's been out for such a long time. Um, she's got what three kids, I think, which, um, you know, as long as she's got the fitness, you know, it doesn't matter. But it's just, it's such a, how much will the game have moved on? I, I really don't know what, what to expect. <laughs> I'm all for this. I'd, I, as I said, I think I said in, in a previous pod, like, I'm all for kind of the matchups that this opens up possibilities for, you know, seeing kind of the, you know, the old guard versus the new guard. And, you know, uh, it's just going to be very interesting to see. I think, you know, when she came back last time from having charged, she won. I think she won the first grand. I think she won the Australian Open on a comeback. And I mm. you know, I don't think she's going to, I don't think it's going to be as easy this year. And I think, I think for her, I think, you know, in, in kind of looking at kind of the, you know, the video she kind of gave with her announcement, I think for her, I think it's more to do with, can I compete at the highest level? as well as be, you know, the best mum I can be. I think that's kind of more her goal as opposed to kind of getting back to world number winning one and, and winning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she just wants to enjoy I mean, obviously it. That would be great. Yeah. But... <laughs> Might still happen. I think that was her point was basically, I really enjoy playing tennis. I really enjoy being a mum. So can I do both of them? Let's, let's find out. And yeah. 2020 is is going to be the year we, we find out. I mean, it's certainly a massive talking point, but I think she said, um, well, she said that, you know, WTA events, you know, for former world number ones, they get kind of unlimited wild cards, which I think was like a, a crucial thing. Cause I don't think she fancied coming back and having to play like, you know, the real sort of futures and, you know, the ITF tour, basically, I should say. Um, so the fact that she'll be able to kind of instantly gain access and see how she's going to do against, you know, 
against the top players. But I think also, you know, obviously it'll be a very carefully managed schedule. And I think she'll just play around with it a bit and, and, and see how it goes. I don't think she'll go in with sort of massively high expectations. And, and I didn't know, researching it, I didn't realise if you're a former world number one, you can receive unlimited wild cards at WTA. Yeah, I know. I yeah. That. It's, it's yeah, great. Which, I mean, unlimited, unlimited seems a bit generous because you could just sort of turn up at 70 years old and be like, hey, I was world number one for a day, you know, 50 years ago. Can I enter this tournament? And there must be other criteria. But um, I know she's been doing, you know, a lot of fitness work and getting back into top form so I guess if as long as she stays healthy you know but also it might help her because she might be a bit fresher not having played you know religiously for seven years you know it's a toll on your body isn't it to... well I th- you know I think I know I saw her play at the Wimbledon um, number one court roof test event where she played Venus Williams and you know I said I said to my mum who I, who I took along to the event I said Kim Kleisters can still play tennis and she I have no doubt that if she, you know, stepped on a court, you know, tomorrow on the tour, you know, I certainly think she can give, you know, a very good game to, you know, the the person across from her, across from her at the net. And, yeah. you know, it must have been on her mind then that, well, actually, maybe that kind of, that Venus Williams actually proved to her that mm. it's like, actually, yeah. I, I, can, I can still do this. And if kind of Venus Williams is still doing it, Serena Williams is still doing it. Yeah. Why can't Klim Kleister still do it? So um, We could have a Serena Kleister's final and then Serena can finally get, you know, Margaret Courts. Uh, and then, you know, it would be a dream kind of for both, you know, Kleister's dream run to the final. Serena finally gets, you know, matches Margaret Court. Who knows? We also had, um, I mean, it's it's going to be really interesting. We, we also had Tatiana Golovan announce her comeback. Um, she never really achieved, you know, great heights. But I remember watching her maybe sort of 12 years ago um, in, in tournaments. I, you know, I remember her as a player and she just had a lot of injuries and had to, had to you know, retire very young. Because but... we, we put this out on our, on our Twitter, the fact that Kim Kleist is returning, Tatiana Golovan's returning. Who's going who's gonna to return next? And we had a, had a range of answers. Some, I mean, there were, some of them were borderline hilarious and some of them I was kind of like actually I could potentially see that and mm. yeah I think some of the some of them like Lee Nah, I'd love to see Lee Nah come back and why not yeah. um Radvanska, Radvanska I feel like Radvanska's got injury problems I don't think that I feel like that's less likely but um mm. Andy Roddick oh, was Ivanovich. a popular name yeah oh yeah yeah Justine Enan Jennifer Capriati Elena Dementieva I mean <laughs> <laughs> just I don't know I mean a lot of people um I think some of them, well, Lena, I think would be, would still be in with the shot of, of doing very well. But um, yeah, let us know who else, who else do you think would be, would be a good option on either the men's or the women's or, you know, maybe a doubles player as well. Anyone else that you'd like to see come back and, uh, and give Martina the current players over. a run for their money. Oh, Martina. well, yeah. I mean, she, why not? Why not? I mean, come on. <laughs> um, but I think, Joel, that brings us to a close for today. Um, we'll be back sort of next week, I think, with like a roundup from all the action at the Labour Cup and, and the other events on the ATP and WTA circuit. Yes, and we'll be looking forward to uh, the 500s, I think, in 
Beijing and Tokyo for the men. Um, so yeah, please do join us for that. Uh, but in the meantime, if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, don't forget to subscribe to us. Uh, we're on all the podcasting platforms out there. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. You will be on anywhere, all the ones you, you listen to. Um, and yeah, give us a follow on social media as well at Passing Shot Pod on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye.